Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me on this one is Scott Reichel, who covers the Raiders for the Believe Podcast Network. And Scott, great to have you on, first of all. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always a nice, it's always nice to talk football on a Friday. Yeah, it's uh, fantastic and uh, looking forward to the game on Sunday. But uh, not only do we have a game to discuss, but the Raiders and Texans with the major trade this week. I'm sure the Texans fans want to get your thoughts on their new cornerback, Gary and Conley. What do we need to know about him and why is a first round pick from two years ago available for just a third round pick? Well, it appears based on what you might have seen from the Raiders last week against the Packers that it seems like their entire secondary is all out of sorts. And I guess the Raiders finally decided to pull the plug on Conley as he apparently was not the prospect that they thought he was going to be coming out of college. But I also find it extremely interesting because you don't really see that often that a team will trade a player to another team that they're playing against the same week, which I find very fascinating. I don't really, I don't think I've ever really seen that before, especially considering the fact that the trade deadline is actually going to be taking place after this game. So I feel like they could have traded him the week after. But I don't know. It appears that whatever the, Red, the Raiders were doing defensively was not working out. And it seems like Conley could just simply use a change of scenery. I wouldn't say it's the end of the world for Conley, though. We've seen some players, high draft picks, uh, struggle with their initial team and then do well on other teams. For example, Eli Apple, who was the cornerback for the Giants. He got pretty much run out of town. And then with the Saints, he's kind of found, he's you know, the Saints found a use for him. And now he's part of one of the best defenses in the entire league. So I wouldn't say it's the end of the world for Conley. He has a lot of physical traits, which could translate well. But it appears that schematically, he just didn't fit with the Raiders and they decided to go in a different direction. Yeah, it is funny. You mentioned that the fact that, you know, the Texans get a player that have inside info, maybe on on the Raiders a little bit. Maybe they can give them a clue a a little bit as to what's going on. But I guess the thing that I I read about as far as Conley was concerned, um, and and you can verify this, uh, late last year, the second half of last year, he started to play better and then this year it's just been not as good so he's he's sort of fallen apart I mean the the new regime's just been there for a couple of years so it's it's just real interesting to me that you know that they have given up on a guy that it wasn't like he was supposedly a reach in the first round when they drafted him well there was some issues with regard to his off the field conduct when they drafted him initially right which is kind of the reason why he ended up sliding but as a whole yes he did play better towards the end of last year but it appears that he's regressed so far this season so i mean you can make the argument for some other teams some other players on whether or not they should try to hold on to young prospects in the hopes that they eventually develop or just pull the plug instead of wasting time i'm sure some bears fans might have some thoughts on that with trubisky but i'm not going to go there but as a whole i mean the raiders i they saw enough from conley where they decided that they can make a decision about him and they decided that he wasn't worth the effort moving forward Pro Football Focus made the point that the Texans play much more man-to-man than the Raiders. They played a man-coverage shell on about 50% of their snaps, which is the fourth highest in the league, a 19% increase from how much the Raiders use this type of coverage. And this plays into Conley's strengths from what they're saying. He earned a grade of 62.3 in man coverage with an incompletion on 21.7% of his targets in zone coverage where he played the majority of his snaps with the Raiders in his career, he earned a 61.2 grade and forced an incompletion on only 15.4% of his targets. And I, I guess that leads me to the question, 
it sounds like that's a good thing for the Texans that, you know, maybe that's his uh, specialty. Are the Tex are the Raiders, uh, you know, are they playing to their personnel strengths at this point? Or are they just waiting till they get all of their guys, like as Mayock and Gruden, waiting to get their guys, the guys that they want to scheme into their system? And, and, and that may take a couple of years. I mean, what's the feeling there? Well, I think it also depends on what the preseason expectation was for this team. Even though the Raiders are currently 3-3, three and three, I don't think people really expected the Raiders to perform that well this season. I, I feel like the Raiders are supposed to finish toward the bottom half of their respective division. They've kind of overachieved up to this point. So I definitely think it's a process. And considering the fact that Gruden's still under contract for about the next decade, he definitely still has time to find the pieces he needs. Do I think Conley is a make-or-break situation for Oakland? No. I think he'll be a solid depth piece to the Texans secondary, which could use some retooling. But do I think as a whole, this is the Raiders defense that we're going to be seeing for the next couple of years? No. I think they have some pieces. I know they dealt with some injuries to the secondary, like Jonathan Abram, who I think is going to be a really good safety in the league once he is healthy once again. But as a whole, I think that Connolly was just a piece, and I feel like they moved him because they thought he was expendable. All right. So Houston knows very well about the Carr family. Derek Carr played high school ball here in Houston. I mean, there was just a few years ago after they didn't draft him instead they drafted a guard Xavier Suofilo that was a bust in Houston. You know, there was a frustration. We, well, we needed a quarterback and Derek Carr and he looks great. And then since that first, you know, kind of a couple of years where it looked like, oh, Derek Carr might be something. Now, where are we on Derek Carr with under John Gruden? And what is his potential right now? Uh, is the is the feeling that he's about where he's going to be maybe a, just a mediocre to below mediocre quarterback well first of all I think part of the reason why the Texans didn't go after Carr was because of the David Carr experiment that happened a couple years prior but I'm not going to go there but as a whole so far this season Carr's actually been pretty solid I mean he's got the 12th highest QBR in the league he's got eight touchdowns four picks over 1400 yards passing the issue that I think the Raiders have their offensive line is very solid but the issue they have are weapons on the outside. They got Tyrell Williams during the offseason. Of course, Antonio Brown was supposed to be the huge addition to the offense, but that completely fizzled. But Tyrell Williams also dealt with some injuries. He hasn't played the last two weeks. He is expected to play in this game. It seems like Carr so far this season uh, is completing 74.1% of his passes, so he's been extremely accurate. But the Raiders don't really throw that many deep passes. They're kind of... They try to slowly, methodically dump the ball off to move the ball down the field, kind of a West Coast-style type of situation. So I definitely think he's serviceable. Do I think that there's a lot of upside moving forward? Not really. But I think it also depends on the weapons he has around him. I mean, of course, Darren Waller has turned out to be a tremendous tight end, and he's been an absolute gem for the Raiders. But other than that, though, from the receiving core, other than Tyrell Williams, uh, you don't really have many other weapons. So I feel like the Raiders might need to take some of the money they would have given Antonio Brown maybe reinvest in another wide receiver moving forward. But I think based on the weapons that Carr actually has and the emergence of Josh Jacobs out of the backfield, I think the Raiders are trying to go for a more balanced approach on offense where they're trying to nickel and dime it down the field, not really taking that many deep play threats or, you know, deep play opportunities. And I think that Carr overall, I think he's actually been decent this year. The Texans, uh, lots of holes in the secondary, even with the addition of Conley, just injuries everywhere. Is this a good matchup for the Raiders? I mean, what what do the Raiders 
have to do to have success against the Texans? And, and how do you look at it, look at it both uh, from the offensive and defensive side? Well, I think it's a good matchup for the Raiders offensively. However, when you talk about the Texans and the holes they have in the secondary, I don't think they compare to the holes in the Raiders secondary, which got torched by Aaron Rodgers for five passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown last week. So I definitely think off a of bye week, I should add. So it could be a lot worse for the Texans. But as a whole, I think the Raiders should be successful on offense, assuming Josh Jacobs is healthy. He has not practiced all week, but he did say to reporters that he does expect to play as he has been a very underrated rookie. And I think that after he had 100 something yards last week, he will look to try to duplicate that performance against the Texans. But as a whole, the issue remains that the Raiders, other than Tyrell Williams and Waller, don't really have many other weapons. You have Hunter Renfro underneath is a pretty solid possession receiver. But as a whole, Williams will be in his first game back after a couple of weeks off. So you have to wonder how sharp he will be. But Waller has been one of the most productive tight ends, if not the most productive tight end so far this season. So I would expect the Texans and Bill O'Brien to game plan for him. Overall, I definitely think that if there was a spot for the Raiders to get back on track offensively, I think this would be the spot. They weren't bad against the Packers last week before Carr ended up fumbling into the back of the end zone at the end of the first half. In terms of the defense... The Raiders just seemed content last week to send three or four people at Aaron Rodgers every snap, which gave Rodgers infinite time in the pocket, and he just picked them apart. I think the Raiders have to send some pressure at Deshaun Watson. I think what we've noticed from the Texans, it's the same thing with most teams. If you're able to protect the quarterback, you win. And it seems like whenever the Texans end up losing, Deshaun Watson usually ends up on his back a couple times. But based on how the Raiders' pass rush has performed, I have to assume Watson should have a decent amount of time to throw. I know you've had some injury issues with Titus Howard, and I don't know if he will be able to go in this one. But as a whole, I think that the Raiders have to send added pressure because their cornerback, especially now that Connolly is no longer on the roster, I don't think they can guard DeAndre Hopkins. I know Fuller's doubtful, but the Texans have so many weapons in the passing game that I would send pressure. I think Watson might pick them apart. Yeah, Titus Howard, it looks like at least a few more weeks, not even given a timetable at this point. Is there a, 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 some pressure, do you think, that the Raiders can apply towards the right tackle? Because that, that would be the one weakness. I mean, Tunsil has played really good at left tackle, and they, they've been fairly solid up the middle. I mean, the, the Texans got a lot of grief uh, because of their uh, offensive line, but it, it really, it's been a lot about Deshaun Watson's getting rid of the ball quicker, and that's been one of the big parts. But the offensive line, definitely more solid this year overall. It, it, can they get pressure, do you think, the Raiders on that right side? I think it's possible, but I think you're going to have to send an extra couple of guys. I mean, the Texans' offensive line got significantly better once they made the trade for Laramie Tunsil. People thought that that might have been too much to give up. I think so far, Tunsil's looked like a top-tier offensive lineman in the, in the league, so I definitely think that has paid off so far. But I think the Raiders, with their default pass rush, Cleveland Farrell was supposed to make a big impact after being uh, taken arguably higher than he should have, as a lot of mock drafts had him in the 20s, and he ended up going in the top 10 but as a whole, he hasn't really done much. The Raiders, overall, their defensive line hasn't really done much. They've been decent against the run. But in terms of getting after the quarterback, I don't think that their their defensive linemen will be able to do it by themselves. They might be able to, but in order to create some more effective one-on-one matchups, you also might need to send some added pressure from the secondary, even the linebacking core. So I think that the Raiders, after last week's experiment off a bye against Rodgers didn't work, where they pretty much sent no added pressure. I would expect Gruden to try to get a little bit more creative. And I think that defensive coordinator and some of the other, uh, you know, defensive coaches will look to send more pressure from the linebacking core and even the secondary to try to make Watson a little bit more uncomfortable in the pocket in comparison to Rogers last week. What about Mike Mayock? Uh, How has he looked? Because none of us knew what to expect 
with him as a GM? I mean, do you feel like uh, he's done a nice job so far outside of maybe the Antonio Brown fiasco that uh, that, that might have been a huge mistake? Obviously, it was a huge mistake. But outside of that, how has he looked? Well, that's well, that's the point I was going to make, because most of the stuff that the GM does tends to not be public. But everything about Antonio Brown is public. So it definitely did not look good in the public eye about Mayock there. But in terms of the actual drafting so far, it looks like Ferrell's hasn't really worked out. I know it's still young in his career. I actually liked him out of college at Clemson, but I definitely think there was a reach to take him that early in the draft. I also can't really judge. I think it's too early to tell because Jonathan Abram was supposed to be a huge piece of the secondary, and he ended up getting injured in the first game of the season against the Broncos, and now he's out for the year. So I think that the Raiders knew going into the year that they were pretty much going to scrap whatever they had, and they were going to try to build a more a more presentable team. But I definitely think that everyone knew going in that this team wasn't ready to compete with the Chiefs for a division title anytime soon, or even the Chargers. I know the Chargers have underachieved, but nobody knew that going into the season. So I think the Raiders are definitely still like growing. I, I definitely think that they have a lot of moves to make in the future. And I know that uh, Gruden has a lot of job security and Mayock has some job security as well. I think it's mostly about the move to Vegas, and I don't think they're really going to rock the boat anytime soon. But I, I don't want to give a cop-out answer, but I feel like I can't really answer that because the young players either A, haven't really shown much but haven't really had much time to show anything, or B, have gotten injured. So overall, I think he's done okay. He hasn't done anything where I just scratch my head wondering what are you thinking of. I don't think Connolly was doing that well with the Raiders anyway, so I know you trade him for a third, which seemed a little bit harsh. But as a whole... I don't think he was really making any game-changing plays, so it wasn't a matter of doing anything questionable. I think he's been okay. Do I think he's done a great job? Not necessarily. Do I think he's been awful? No. But I think overall he's been relatively serviceable. What about John Gruden? Uh, where are you with him right now? I mean, Gruden, you know, we, we knew his track record from years and years ago. Does he seem like he's adjusting well to the modern NFL, and, and how is he looking so far? Well, the main thing you have to keep in mind is how the Raiders have looked this season in comparison to last season. Because when people think of Gruden, and yes, he has a lot of time on his hands due to the contract, people thought last year that this was a terrible hire and that this team was had nowhere to go, and they were pretty much going to be a bottom feeder for the next couple of years. I mean, the Raiders are 3-3, three and three, so I can't criticize Gruden too much, as the team has definitely, I don't want to say overachieved, but they've definitely exceeded expectations up to this point. They didn't look good last week off a of bye, which is a bit concerning. But as a whole, I think Gruden's looked okay. I mean, he's not going to be in contention for a Coach of the Year award or anything like that. But based on the talent around him or the lack thereof, they knew going in that this would take a couple of years for the Raiders to potentially turn it around. And so far, they have taken some strides to look more competitive this season. So I think as of right now, I think Gruden's been relatively okay. Do I think he's been amazing? No. Do I think he's been bad? No. But the only thing you can look for in the span of, you know, this type of situation is uh, steady progression, just steady, uh, just, you know, seeing the team slightly improve. And I think right now the Raiders have looked more comfortable offensively with Carr. I said before that even though they don't have many weapons, Carr is still completing 74% of his passes. So they have looked, I know Carr has definitely looked more comfortable in Gruden's system uh, in comparison to last year. So I think there are signs of growth here. They are definitely going to need to improve more going forward. But I think as a whole, I don't really have many complaints about Gruden because I didn't really think there was much talent on the roster to begin with. You know, when the Houston Oilers left years ago, they, they had that last year where, you know, they weren't all that great. Uh, the fan base wasn't coming out to the games. It was kind of a dead place to be. Uh, the Raiders, how are they dealing with that? What, what's it been 
like in Oakland with, you know, knowing, well, we're, they're going over to Las Vegas. Is there a, di- you think there would be a difference between that and the Oilers situation? Cause maybe Raiders fans, it's, it, it's closer to Las Vegas. And uh, is there something different about it than just your teams leaving the city? Uh, I don't really think it matters that much because the Raiders initially were an Oakland's team. They were a Los Angeles team and they ended up moving to Oakland anyway. I feel well, like they, I were, kind of they feel were Oakland's team to, to, at the very beginning. I mean, Oakland, L.A. to Oakland. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm saying like in terms of the I'd say this type of generation of fans, they uh, they would either remember they, they missed the glory days with the L.A. Raiders. But at the same point, they joined Oakland and they pretty much peaked with Rich again. And I'd say about, I don't know, like 15 years ago plus. So, I mean, overall, I definitely think it hurts Oakland. But as a whole, I can understand the move. I mean, clearly it wasn't if, – if I'm saying is that if Oakland was selling out all their home games, they wouldn't be moving to Vegas. But they are moving to Vegas. So I, do I think it has an impact on, I'd say, morale in the city potentially, especially with the Oakland A's losing in every wild card game they're in? But I understand the move. I mean, if nobody's going to your games, you might as well try to find a place that will go to uh, – you know, with fans that will go to your games. So I think it makes sense in terms of the – the issue is that the I don't think the Raiders are just that good of a team. They're decent, but it's not like they're a contender and fans are, you know, fighting each other to get seats. I, I just feel like it depends on the current situation of the team. And the Raiders aren't exactly one of the best teams in the league that are worth caring about. For I'm, I'm speaking from uh, a local fan perspective. I just feel like if the Raiders were competing for championships every year, the move would be a lot harder to deal with for the fans in that area. But since they're not, I feel like it's not as big of a deal as people are making it out to be, if you know what I mean. Yeah, the Raiders, uh, if you go back to the old days in Oakland, the original days back in the 60s and 70s, a guy that was just a legend, Willie Brown, passes away this week. And, you know, three Super Bowl champions for Willie Brown, four Pro Bowlers, uh, two, two-time first-team All-Pro. Uh, he's famous, even if you're... A young kid, you've probably seen the old man Willie video of him with the the great interception back on the NFL films and everything like that. And and I don't know if you know this, Scott, but when he was drafted uh, back in 1963, he was a undrafted free agent in, in Houston Oilers camp. And so he almost played his he could have played his career here, but they they let him go. He ends up in Denver and, and finally ends up in Oakland. So uh, hell of a story and, and hell of a career for that guy. I actually did not know about that story. So that's actually very interesting. But as a whole, uh, yeah, I mean, he was an all-time great player, and it's a shame when any of those guys pass away. Yeah, Pro, pro Football Hall of Famer, too. Pretty cool. And just a great speech, if if nobody's seen it, with uh, you know him talking about Al Davis. Al Davis talking about him, calling him a star among stars. Well, let me finish this off with you and just uh, ask you, what do you think is going to happen in this game? You know, do you have a prediction score wise? Uh, where, where are you on, on the Raiders Texans as a Sunday? Uh, for me, even though I, you know, talk about the Raiders for my job, I think the Texans will win this game in terms of the actual score. I, I think the Texans should win by about 10 points, give or take. And I, I think you should see these kind of points in this game as both defense have, defenses have left a lot to be desired on the field. The issue that I have with the Raiders, after trading Conley, do I think they have a better replacement? No. I mean, you trade him for a draft pick. That means somebody else is going to have to step up on the cornerback depth chart. And I don't really think anybody has shown really anything. I think Hopkins should go for at least 100-plus yards. 
I think after Watson struggled last week, had one touchdown pass and two interceptions, I think he will bounce back with at least three touchdowns in this game. I think the Texans should score 30. I think this game should be pretty high scoring. But at the end of the day, I just think the Texans will have too many weapons offensively, and I do not think the Raiders will be able to get after Watson as much as they'd like. So I think Watson should throw for at least 300 yards, a couple touchdowns, and I think the Texans should win this game by two possessions. My thoughts. Predicting what the Texans are going to do from week to week is always dangerous, but I yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think the Texans should win because they did everything that you can do wrong last week, so maybe they'll do everything right this week. Uh, Scott, last thing, uh, Believe Podcast. Tell people where to find you and how, how they can uh, check out your work. Yeah, sounds good. So I I do a podcast with the Believe Podcast Network called Betting Bay Area. So I give out uh, thoughts involving spreads and totals with regard to the Raiders and the 49ers every week. So if any of you are interested in that, you can find that at Believe.com. Just search up Betting Bay Area. And other than that, though, if you want to reach out to me personally, you can find me on Twitter at Reichel Radio. I look forward to hearing from all of you. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for taking the time. Always good to talk uh, little Texans Raiders, and, and, and that's always a fun matchup. I mean, there's been some good ones already in the, in the history of these two franchises. Yeah, well, I'm hoping that this game will be as high scoring as I anticipate because that always is. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of points. So for me, I'm hoping this game turns out to be pretty high scoring, but it should be entertaining nonetheless. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.